0: Scripture this morning is 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if we claim we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us my dear children I write this to you so that you will not sin but if anybody does sin we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous one he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And yet you became flesh, living as one of us, under the shadow.
1: Hey, everybody. Um, You know, thank you, Band and Kay and uh, Leah. Uh, You know, what a God thing that that Leah just felt like, you know, God was saying to her, hey, I I need you here. I I want you to do this. And uh, she didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. But uh, it just seemed more and more like that's the way God was leading. And I know she's going to need a lot of help and that you are up for that. And so I want to say hello to all of you, whether you came in walking, wearing your winter coat, or whether you're at home in your winter PJs. <laughs> uh, we are all one family in Jesus. And uh, uh, like Alan said, you know, if you're online, if you're ever here and you're able to come and visit with us and, and worship with us, your presence would mean so much. I also need to announce that in two weeks, it's coming right up. Uh, we're going, on January 22nd, it's going to be this all-church conference and the only business we have to discuss is and decide is what will be our future denominational affiliation. So it's a huge decision. And the church council is bringing a motion to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church, which will require a two-thirds majority to pass. Uh, also, some of you remember back in October, I gave what I called a Todd Talk. And uh, I know some of you I've heard were unable to attend, and so I've been asked to give it again. And I'll do that this Tuesday at 6.30. It'll be up in the chapel upstairs. Anybody like to come? Uh, And just as before, I'll I'll talk about three questions. What's the most important reason to choose either the United Methodist Church or the Global Methodist Church? What does the Bible teach about same-sex relationships? And what impact could the vote have On faith westwood so if you're coming to that i would encourage you to use the west entrance and then when you come to the hall turn right the chapel is just past the restrooms let's pray Uh, good and kind father we do not know what the future holds but we know who holds the future Lead the way, Lord. Hold us together as sisters and brothers in Christ. Jesus, you are the light of the world. This morning, shine upon us and show us the way of life and truth that we may walk in it. In your name we pray, amen. When I was in college, um, I was a part of a campus fellowship group, and one evening, uh, a woman, young woman showed up, a student, that, uh, and I, I saw her, and I realized, oh, I had met her before, very briefly, when I was in high school. I heard her play guitar and sing, and I had a secret crush on her. And I thought, She's here. She has finally come back into my life. Thank you, God. Well, that night I could hardly sleep thinking about her. However, she soon started dating one of my friends, and so my hopes were dashed. I can't even remember her name now. So here's the question. Was I falling for the person she really was or for who I imagined her to be? Well, since I didn't know her, it was clearly the latter. I had a crush on who I imagined her to be. I share that because in a similar way, uh, many people today love the Jesus they imagine him to be rather than the person he really is. Did you know that the Quran says a great deal about Jesus? Yeah, it's true. It says that his mother was Mary. And that he was miraculously conceived, uh, but there are some huge differences in the Bible and the Quran about Jesus. For example, all four Gospels in the Bible affirm that Jesus died on the cross. We know that, but in the Quran, written 600 years later, Jesus did not die. He was taken directly up to heaven, and God, God pulled a oops, God, God pulled a switcheroo and uh, put a Roman soldier on the cross and and, uh, made him look like Jesus. Did you know that? In many ways, the Quran makes up its own Jesus, contradicting the Jesus we know from eyewitness accounts in the New Testament. And even for us, there is always the danger of making up our own Jesus according to the way we want him to be. And that's why the first letter of John was written, because it was happening even back then. Uh, Today is the first Sunday in our series called If We Walk in the Light. And that uh, phrase, if we walk in the light, is is a direct quote from that passage that Kay was reading for us. And that word, if, it's a very powerful word, isn't it? Uh, in the New International Version, that word, if, is found 21 times in First John, five times in the first chapter alone. If. If means that the choice is ours, whether to walk in the light or the darkness. Let's open our Bibles. You've got a Bible in the pew in front of you. Uh, maybe you brought yours from home or it's on your phone. And... Uh, uh, I'm hoping you'll all turn to this because in today's message, uh, I'm going to be briefly walking through every one of the 12 verses in our passage, okay? Now, in the first century, certain teachers were influenced by the early stages of a philosophy called Gnosticism. That's Gnosticism with a silent G at the beginning. And according to their secret knowledge, they believe that the material world is inferior to the spirit world. And they believe that the physical body is evil, while the spirit is good. According to Gnostics, if Jesus was perfect, then he could not have had a spiritual body. They they say he only appeared to be human. And as a result, well, then he couldn't have died on the cross. He didn't have a physical body. So John writes a letter. It appears to be written by the the same author as the Gospel of John. And the the introduction tells us about the apostles' personal encounter with Jesus, whom they have seen and heard and touched. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. And Jesus is the word of life. He is God's message in person. He is God's self-revelation showing us the life that is truly life. Verse 2. The life appeared and we have seen it And testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now, eternal life in the Bible means way more than life forever, okay? It is life the way that it will be in what the Jewish people called the age to come. There was the present age. And the age to come when all things will be made right and heaven and earth will be made new. And it's saying that that life has come here in the present age to show us the life of the future age. And there is a bond among all people who belong to Jesus... And we're starting learning to live out uh, with him the life of the age to come. And the Bible calls this bond between us fellowship. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. This bond. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And all of you here today, if you're not sure what you believe, we want to tell you about Jesus. We want to proclaim him to you. Uh, some things about him you're going to love right away. And some things about him you're going to, are going to make you in, extremely uncomfortable. That's just the way it is with Jesus. But we hope you'll keep listening and learning along with us. Verse 4 is the the last line of the intro, and I would paraphrase it this way. We tell you this because nothing would make us happier than to share this bond with you. Verse 5, I think, is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light in him there is no darkness at all and th- th- to me this is amazing that there's no darkness in god there's no evil in him he is completely righteous and good and holy now the gnostics the gnostics like to separate the body and the spirit and say that one doesn't affect the other they believe that that spiritually You can have a strong relationship with God even if your body does sinful things. Uh, Three verses in this chapter begin with the words, if we claim. And these are the three verses where where, uh, John refutes the claims of the agnostics, okay? Verse 6 says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. If we're walking in in darkness, it's not just that we're telling a lie, it's that we're living the lie. God is light. He is righteous and good and holy. And if we walk in the darkness, we cannot have fellowship with the light. Here's an analogy for you. Let's say that you are a musician in a 100-piece orchestra, all right, with all the strings and the brass and the percussion, and the conductor is up there up front, baton, and gives the tempo and holds all those musicians together, right? Dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun. I took conducting class in college. You know, I never get a chance to use it. All right. If you go rogue and play your own tempo, you're going to ruin the music. But if you follow the conductor, you'll stay in time, and the music will be beautiful and moving. It's like walking in the light. Verse 7 starts out, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that fellowship, to me, is, is like the beautiful, beautiful music of the orchestra. Now, we're not, we may not always walk perfectly in the light. We may fail at times. But even then, all is not lost. The rest of verse 7 says, "...and the blood of Jesus his Son..." purifies us from all sin. When we walk in the light, Jesus is there walking with us and and leading us out of sin and into his righteousness and goodness and holiness. Now, a a, a Gnostic would say, well, I don't need that. You see, I'm not really a sinner. That's just just my body doing what it naturally wants to do. My spirit is pure. And so John refutes another claim in verse 8. He says, if, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, if the conductor is giving the tempo at 80 beats a minute and you're racing forward at 100 beats a minute hoping everybody's going to catch up with you, you might think you're doing it right, but you're fooling yourself. A Gnostic could visit the local brothel and say, I'm not sinning. That's just my body doing what it wants to do, but but spiritually, I'm right on with God. And John says, hey, I want you to know that's not the way it works. When we sin, we have to admit it. We have to confess it. Because God can work with a sinner, but we have to be honest about it. Verse 9 is one of the verses uh, that I memorized when I was a newly born-again believer, and this verse helped me a lot to have it memorized, because there were a lot of times I had to, to remember, my, remind myself of it. So let's put this one up on the screen, uh, shall we? And, and will you say it, say it with me? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What does it mean that God is faithful and just? It means that he's going to keep his promise, Okay. We confess, God forgives. And purifying us means that he is continually changing us, transforming us, perfecting us, moving us to be more like Jesus. So if you keep confessing your sin, if you keep seeking God's forgiveness, God's going to change your life. God will give you the victory over your sinful desires I want to I say verse 9 to you and I want you to just listen to it, okay? Let it resonate in your soul. If we confess our sins He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. One thing is that we don't get to define what sin is and what it isn't. Do you know that? God does that. The New Testament teaches us plenty about what sin is and what it isn't. Jesus will lead you into the life of righteousness, goodness, and holiness. Our living room has a uh, gas log fire. We don't use it all that often. It's kind of expensive to run a lot, you know. But after 12 winters living in this house, I finally decided it was time to clean the inside of the glass. I took the cover off and sprayed the glass with a non-ammonia cleaner. That's what the instructions said to do. and started wiping it with a paper towel. I was amazed at how much sooty stuff came off when I finished it that glass was so clean and clear. I put the cover back on and the fire looked so much brighter. It was beautiful. But first, I had to admit, I had to confess that the glass needed cleaning. So I urge you, confess your sins. Name them one by one. Confess your hateful words, confess your self-centered attitude, confess that sometimes you put your trust in money instead of God, confess that you have coveted what other people have, confess that you have had sex outside of the covenant of marriage, Confess that you hold resentment and bitterness in your heart. Confess that you have sometimes made a show of your faith to impress people. Confess that you have made something in your life more important than God. That it has become an idol in your life. Confess your sins and God will forgive your sins, and purify you from all that unrighteousness. If we do not confess, then what are we doing? We're saying that you know our, our sins—they're not really sins, or they, they, they don't really matter that much. And that's why verse ten says, "If we claim we have not sinned, that is, if we're unwilling to confess, then we make Him out to be a liar, and His word is not in us." The Gnostics, like I said before, claim that Jesus did not die on a cross for their sins because as far as they were concerned, they didn't need it. They were just fine. That's what it means to live in darkness. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My dear children, I, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Your advocate is kind of like your defense attorney, right? And uh, you're in court, but you're guilty, but fortunately, Jesus is on your side. And when the righteous one takes the penalty for the sinful one, the sinful one is pardoned. And that's what Jesus has done for us. And we conclude with verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And atoning means he restores your relationship with God. Your sins are no longer counted against you. The slate is wiped clean. You are free to walk in the light. And so I ask you now today, are you walking in the darkness in the light are you ready to agree with God and confess your sins do you desire to be fully forgiven and do you want God to purify you from your sins then I say come to Jesus he is the word of life He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is our advocate with the Father. He is the righteous one. And so, for you today, if if you don't know Christ and you don't belong to him, then I would say, come to him. Jesus is calling you. He is whispering in your heart. He is waiting patiently for you. Come to Jesus. Ask him to lead you. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to shine his light upon you. Let's pray. Jesus, I I am tired of, of making up my own way through this life, and I realize now so often I'm just walking in the darkness. Lord, I am a lost sinner who needs saving. Will you save me now? Jesus, you have shown me that God is light and there is no darkness in him, but there is darkness in me. Will you please forgive me of my sins? Jesus, I want to walk with you in the light of God's righteousness, goodness, and holiness. Will you walk with me? Will you lead the way? Jesus, I I know that you have come to me, and now I come to you. I'm all yours, body, mind, and spirit. In your name I pray, amen.